0: Hello, it's good to have you with us again on Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Today, Brian, our Bible teacher, gives us another talk on the subject of friendship, which is the theme of our present series. And in this talk, Brian presents us with a personal challenge, so I hope we're ready for it. Thanks,
1: John. And as we continue today with our series of programmes on friendship, I'm still talking about how we can be friends of God based on John 15, verses 14 and 15, where the Lord Jesus says, You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. As we said last week, there are two aspects to friendship here. This friendship is based on us doing what he commands and... In addition, such a relationship is underpinned by the Lord sharing with his friends the intimate secrets of the Godhead. Today, I still want to stay with that second point about sharing in God's secrets. Previously, we used the example of Abraham, and now for our second example, let's consider Moses' experience, for he's another whom God considered as his friend. I wonder how many times you read in the book of Exodus that the Lord spoke to Moses. I tell you, it's a lot. And through Moses, God spoke to his people. Some seven times, it was, Moses was called up and down Mount Sinai to get the word of God clear for the people of God at that point in history. So Moses became a man of the mountain, a mountain man. But things were a whole lot different at ground level. Even as the breath of their promised obedience to God still hung in the desert air, the people coaxed Aaron into betraying everything contained in these same promises. You'll remember that shameful episode of the golden calf, with the people there making a graven image to represent God in direct violation of the second of the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down the mountain and calls for action. The Levites respond and soon 3,000 bodies are strewn on the desert floor. You read it in your armchair and quickly pass over it but it's butchery. It's a bloodbath. Skeptics would say it's an atrocity carried out in the name of God. But Moses' ground level evaluation is based on the values of the mountaintop. The mountain man who's encountered the holiness of God at first hand can see horror and sin that no one else of his generation can see at ground level. Moses' heart was broken with the same things that broke the heart of God. Moses' reaction mirrors God's attitude. Please don't confuse Moses' non-compromising loyalty to the word he'd received from God. Don't confuse that, please, with any non-compassionate legalism. A believer recently said to me, I know the Bible says such and such, but I feel it's better to do something different. It was about church discipline. Like, we're going to be more compassionate than the Lord by not doing what he commands us to do in his word not to mention the aspect of disobedience involved in preferring our own way rather than doing something God's way. Yes, there's a massive difference between non-compromising loyalty to God and his word and non-compassionate legalism. It's the difference between reflecting God's glory and reflecting the world's values. And Moses reflected God's glory. Literally, it shone in his face. As we spend time with God, in the mountaintop experience of reading his word, we'll be transformed into the same glorious character as our Lord. That's what 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 assures us. But let's pause to ask ourselves, what's reflected in my lifestyle? Is it the subdued lighting and mood music of contemporary society, or the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? It's around the time Moses is dealing with this sin of God's people that we read the words, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, For I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now therefore, put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favour in your sight, let me know your way so that I may know you, so that I may find favour in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favour in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Verse 11 from that reading is the verse which proves the nature of Moses' relationship with God. It's there we read, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. In the same chapter, and this is Exodus chapter 33 by the way, in that same chapter where we read those words as we've just heard, God threatens to abandon his plan to accompany the Israelites all the way to the promised land. Why is it that God proposes this change of plan? Well, the announcement comes immediately after that national disaster with the golden calf, which we earlier mentioned. But God is faithful, so he vows to keep his promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob by still giving the land to their descendants. He explains he'll send an angel before them to drive out their enemies, And don't worry, he says, the land will still be flowing with milk and honey when you get there. Do you follow the deal that's on offer? They'd still get the blessing, but without God's companionship. Many settle for that today, even among the ranks of Christians. But Moses, like Abraham, has learned that God's worthy of being loved more than our most treasured things. The companionship of God is better than all the blessings. C.S. Lewis once said, that he who has God and everything has no more than he who has God alone. David in his Psalms expressed it this way, I have no good beyond you. God is the ultimate benefactor. And yet, we've talked already in this series about those from Mark Twain down to the present day who've denounced the Old Testament slaughters and declare God to be some kind of monster. What makes them think, in contrast to the likes of Moses and Abraham, that they're better placed to judge the character of God. It certainly wasn't out of delusion that those who knew God best, as friends, had hearts which panted for God as the deer pants for water. Well, back with Moses again. When the people get to hear God's decision that he's not going to go with them to the promised land, they also begin to mourn, and Moses consults with God. This is Moses the man speaking as a friend with God, about God's plans for his people and as a result God promises to go with Moses he says in verse 14 my presence shall go with you but note it's only with the leader with Moses now many a man would have been content with that here's a special favor that would set Moses apart from others so that he could lord it over them but not Moses he wasn't content with that Moses was a true leader What he got for himself, he wanted for his people also. So he goes back into the tent of meeting and he says to God, if your presence does not go with us, notice the plural, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And God says, I will also do this. Such is Moses' intercession, that he gains that extra concession from God. God will go with the people after all, and not only with Moses'. I wonder, does enjoying God's presence and savouring his companionship mean as much to us? It seems, as with Abraham, that Moses has always got something more to ask God. And so Moses goes even further when he requests if he may glimpse God's glory. And once again, God says yes to his friend, because the desires of God's own heart have become the desires of Moses' heart. Moses has by now rejected the self-glory of becoming the head of a new replacement nation, something which God had offered him. Moses' passion is God's glory, not his own glory. That's why his prayers are effective. Moses wants to see God's glory. Dare we too ask for a greater sense of God and a greater sense of his glory in our lives?
2: As the deer pants for the- so long than gold or silver. Only you
0: Right, uh, did you get the personal challenge that uh, Brian brought to us? Well, I hope you'll be able to respond in a positive way to the challenge that Brian did make at the end of his talk when he said dare we too ask for a greater sense of God in our lives? And ask the question, are you enjoying the friendship of Jesus every day? Now there's uh, a free transcript booklet, as you know, and if you'd like one or more then contact us by email or by post and ask for the title, Friendship. The address is Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And the email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk As some past programs and helpful material so if you uh, are interested uh, that will give you the information. Well that's all we have for today and we really appreciate your company. I hope you can join us again next week for another talk on friendship but until then it's our very best wishes from Brian our Bible teacher, David our technician and Jim and Irene our musicians and of course me John. So goodbye for now and may God richly bless you. (laughs)
2: Shut <laughs> up!